0: It's just a good day. So today, we're going to start our journey on the blessed life. This is obviously part one, but it's the blessed life, the principle of firsts. It's the principle of firsts. And today's message is a little different. Typically, uh, in an apostolic church, we love to get after it and love to yell and scream, and maybe that'll happen, maybe it won't. But I do know I want to trot through some scriptures. I want us to talk about this because I want us to understand the value of what we teach and the principles behind uh, scripture. And so if you at any point in this morning, in in this message, you have a question uh, underneath here, you'll see the text next to that number. Feel free to text next. And then we have somebody that is actually monitoring that number today, and any questions that you have, we'll line you up with the Bible study. If you need to go deeper in anything, then we'll get you what your next step is. Um, so feel free to utilize that. If there's something that said, if maybe this is your first time here, you've been coming just for a few short weeks, or maybe you've been here for a long time and didn't really see something in scripture that we'll talk about, you go ahead and just text that, and uh, we'll set something up, because I want us to understand the value of what we are doing here. So, I, if we could just stand for a brief moment, I would like to read two passages before we really get into um, this this message here, and we'll start in Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and ten. It says, "Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits. Everyone say first fruits, and all of thine increase say increase. increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine." And we're we'll talking about the first fruits of your increase, obviously. And then the, the next passage is in Malachi chapter three, verses eight and nine. It says, Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Again we'll talk about the principle of firsts and understand how that Translates from the Old Testament to the New Testament and how that is applicable this morning So let's go before the Lord in prayer and then we'll begin our journey through scripture. Lord I am grateful to be in this house with so many amazing people, but more importantly that you're here And so, God, as we navigate through Scripture, I am asking that every ear that hath an ear, every heart would be open to receive what you have. And, Lord, that you would anoint me as I begin to navigate through what you have given me this morning to speak to uh, our church family. And so, God, help us to be on this journey together and that we can walk away challenged, impacted, and with a fresh new covering over us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you look through Scripture, in the Bible, there are over 500 verses that deal with prayer. There are over 500 verses that deal with faith. There are over 2,000 verses that deal with finances and possessions. I'd say it's a pretty big deal on the principles that are outlined in Scripture. And when you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction, instruction in righteousness. And money reveals volumes of your priorities and your loyalties. Again, you've heard this before. You show me your checkbook, and I'll show you where your heart is. Show you where you value your time. Where does all your time go? What, what do you? What is your outgoing? Where are you investing? And so we can talk about blessing, and we love to talk about blessing, the abundant life. We love to talk about healing and faith and restoration, and all these principles we read in Scripture. But if according to 2 Timothy 3:16 that all scripture is profitable then we have to be willing to talk about the subjects in the Bible that are a little bit uncomfortable because they are still given to us as scripture says for instruction. So therefore it is very important that we understand. And when you're talking about money, this isn't new with me, but money is funny. People get really weird when you talk about money. You talk to somebody at work and find out how much do you make an hour? What's your salary? People get weird. I get it. Don't ask me how much I make. It's none of your business. (laughs) People get weird when you talk about money. It's a very personal thing. And so I think it's funny, though. When In church, we can get weirded out about money, but yet every time you go to Ace Hardware somewhere, they're like, hey, would you like to donate to Joseph's Child of whatever? Like, there's always some kind of program. You know, could you round up and and donate to someone? There's like all these donations you can keep making, and people don't have a problem with donating or talking about it. But yet in the church, we kind of get weird about talking about finances. So... Uh, I love, I am an eight in Enneagram, if any of you know what that is. So I love a good confrontation. So I take these challenges and I run with subjects like this because it doesn't bother me because it's not my words. Those are Christ's words. It's God, not me. So yeah, thank you. I love it. So we'll kind of dig right in and we're going to start right in the Old Testament. We're talking about the principle of firsts, the principle of firsts. And in Exodus chapter 13, verse 2, this is what it says consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. And when we go over to uh, Exodus chapter 13, 10 verses south, verses 12 and 13, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb, that every firstborn that comes out from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck, and all the firstborn of men among your sons you shall redeem. In the Old Testament, if you had livestock, the firstborn was to either be redeemed or sacrificed. It was his. So that is a principle right out of Scripture. It's the firstborn is to be either returned to the Lord or it is to be redeemed. So how do you know what is an unclean animal in Scripture? How did they know? Well, if you go to, uh, I believe it's in Deuteronomy 14 in Leviticus 11, it tells us that an unclean animal was, well, a clean animal was an animal that would chew its cud and it was split-hoofed. An unclean animal was one or the other. You either, it was split-hoofed and it didn't chew its cud, or it did chew its cud and it wasn't split-hoofed. It was one or the other, it wasn't both. So that's how they could tell the difference between an unclean animal and a clean animal. Here, Scripture references a donkey as the unclean and a lamb as the clean. The camel is another good one to look at. That's a That chews, a camel will chew its cud, but it's not split-hoofed. So you can kind of see the picture of what is clean and what is unclean. So when you're looking at this, and and we go through the verses we just read, there are three principles that you can pull out of the Scripture. The first one is that the firstborn is mine. It's mine. That is a matter-of-fact statement. It's mine. There is no opportunity for an argument. It's mine. It's the same principle when I go through the drive-thru. Go through the drive-thru, and, and I don't know if it's just me, but how many times you go to the same drive-thru, and yet nobody knows what they want to order? Like, we go to the same place every day. That's for another day. That's, pre- that's marital counseling. We'll help you guys out later with that one. But I can't tell you how frustrating it is for me to go to the same drive-thru, and we still don't know what we want. We'll move past that real fast to the easiest part, which is, OK, hey, babe, what do you want for a drink? No, nah, I'm fine. Nothing. OK, great. So I get my drink the minute we pull off. It's oh, uh, can I get a sip? No, it's mine That's my drink. Well, I don't want to spend a dollar for a sip. I'll spend it for you I'll give you the dollar so I don't have to share a sip. I'm willing to do that for you. I love you spend the dollar It's mine. It's the same principle the Lord has right the first fruit is mine. The firstborn is mine There's no arguing that the second principle is that the animal must be either sacrificed or redeemed. Sacrificed or redeemed. Okay. So when you get to the third principle, when you look at that scripture, it showed us that the, uh, if an animal is unclean, then you had to either one of two options. Either redeem it with another firstborn that is clean, or you were to break its neck. So the principle is either way, you lose the firstborn. It's either redeemed or it's lost. Those are the only options. Those are the three principles that we're pulling out of there. But put this on hold for just a, f- a few moments, and let's walk from th- the firstborn, a principle of first that we learn in the Old Testament. Let's travel over to the New Testament. We're going to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 through 23. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. Afterward, they are Christ at his coming. Christ, the first fruits. So by one man, death through sin entered the world. But by another man, life through death entered the world. So we've established that man has sinned. That's why there is death. That's why for the wages of sin is death. So everyone in here is born with a sin nature. We have all sinned. And so when I go to Acts, or rather Romans chapter 8, verses 29, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So here, Scripture is telling us that he foreseen, he predestinated himself to become the image, the body, which is Jesus. In other words, that is telling me that God knew you would sin. It's not a shocker when you mess things up. He doesn't sit in heaven, and he doesn't go, oh, my me. <laughs> can't do that. Oh, my me. I cannot believe, again, Carrie Vanderwater jacked it up. I can't. He doesn't say that. He says, oh, for all have sinned. He understands that we are all sinners. He understands that. So there's no shock. So there's no shock to Adam being the firstborn. Think about it. Adam is the firstborn in humanity. Jesus was the firstborn for humanity. That's how you get the principle of him becoming the firstborn for all mankind. It's because he knew that Adam was unclean because of sin. Jesus was clean because he knew no sin. So therefore, that's how Jesus became the firstborn that was clean. Go back to the Old Testament. Anything that is unclean has one of two choices. It is either you are redeemed by a clean livestock by an animal or you break its neck. If you go to the New Testament, we've established that for all have fallen short. All of us have sinned. So now what is that telling me? That's saying because of Adam, we're all sinners. We have one of two choices. Either we are dead in sin or Jesus paid the price for you to have life. And because he came to this earth and died on the cross for you, the perfect lamb. He is, that's why John 1, 29 says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus became the, the again, it's a clean version of us he is referenced as a lamb as a clean animal so because of him being clean you and I now can be redeemed we're no longer just trespasses of sin and all we can hope for is the end of eternity it will be death that we now have life because of him aren't you thankful that God came knew what you would need died on the cross for you and became a clean sacrifice for us who are unclean That's why Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, I think it's in in John 3, possibly. He's talking to Nicodemus, and he says that you cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you are born of water and of the Spirit. And so, keeping in mind that when he died on the cross for you, especially when you look at Romans 5, it says, but God commanded his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He had no idea that you would love him back. So on the cross, it said, but for the joy that was set before him, number one, we were counted joy as he was on the cross. That's what pulled him through the cross is seeing you. So when we look at him and we alienate ourselves because we hurt him and we're in sin, you counted joy in your sin because that is what got him through the cross experience was you. So when you go through that process and you say, okay, so now he, he died on the cross for me with no... ROI. There's no return on investment yet. He doesn't know that you're going to be a productive citizen. He doesn't know that you're going to impact the kingdom. He doesn't know any of that. He's taking a shot on you, which is a principle that we'll learn in tithes and offerings on being faithful and stewarding what God gives us. So when you look at him talking to Nicodemus, he says that man cannot enter uh, without being uh, through water or spirit. This is what he says in Matthew 28:19. It says go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now mind you Jesus is talking to his disciples these are his men they know him. And so a lot of times we get the confusion of okay what does that mean in baptism? Well the question is men and brethren what shall we do to be saved? That's in Acts. And that's when we hear Peter saying repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you and, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. So When you go through it, there's a scripture behind me, I think they'll put up a slide. I want us to walk through it real quick so we have clear understanding of what it is to walk into the kingdom of God, to be able to be baptized through water and spirit. So the first verse that we're going to look at is is understanding if God said, "I, I am the Father, what does that mean? John 14, 9 says, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou, show us the Father? Jesus is talking and says, here is the father. It's me. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. What is the next scripture? Go to Isaiah 9 and 6. There's a lot of scripture to support this. Again, if you have any questions on this, just text next to that number behind me, and we can, we can set up a Bible study with you. I want to make sure you understand um, what we're talking about here. But in, in Isaiah 9 and 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the mighty God the everlasting father and the Prince of Peace Jesus is the everlasting father. He is the mighty God. So the name of the father is Jesus Jesus. who is the son? Jesus that's a no-brainer. Let's take it to the next slide where we talk about who the Holy Ghost is and So when you're looking at the Holy Ghost, it says in John 14 and 8. I will not leave you comfortless I will come to you. I'm not gonna leave you comfortless Go to verse 26 in the same chapter. It says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send who? In my name and teach you all things, that all things in remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So who is the Holy Ghost? It's in the name of Jesus. There is no difference between who is the Father, who is the Son, who is the Holy. It's like when my kids tell me, say, Dad, they won't let me play, you know, they won't let me play foosball in the fellowship hall. Well, you go tell them your dad said so. That usually settles everything. Why? Is it because Dad carries power? Or is it because of who I am? It's me. I carry the authority. I can tell my kids I said so. It gets done because it's not the, the office of a father. It's the, it's the authority that comes in who I am that translates to the different offices I carry. It's no different than when you write a, when you write a check. Ellie is, sending, is selling a lot of cookies. Between Ellie and Scarlett, we have a lot of Girl Scout cookies going through this church. Yeah. Believe me, I, I buy from all of them. There's no reason I'm this big, folks. It comes with the price and I'm willing to pay it to support your children. You're welcome, you're welcome. I believe, yes. But when you look at it, if I was sending, if I was signing checks to these parents, like, like father, like employee, do you think they, that, that would work? Or do you think like, nah, you probably need to write your name on that dude to make it? It's the same thing. So who is the name of the father of the son? It's Jesus. He was talking to people who already knew them, but we've taken it out of context. So when you're talking about repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, you can look through scripture, whether it's Acts 18, chapter 10, chapter 22. There is nowhere in scripture that anybody was baptized other than in the name of Jesus. So if you are in this house and you have not been baptized in Jesus name, then today is the day you can follow what scripture is telling us, the principle that is behind what the word of God is telling us to do. And you can do that if you're in this room and you are saying, man, I want to do that. How do I do that? Text that number and someone will reach out to you immediately. And we will do that today because I believe it goes back to the principle of first from the Old Testament. We were unclean. We were in sin. God created himself a body which is Jesus has the authority because when he died on the cross he redeemed us He could have left us all die in sin, but he redeemed us I think it's kind of funny when you look at scripture and it references Donkeys and the lamb. I'm not just saying Jesus lamb and we're a bunch of mules I'm just saying it's a pretty funny course just correlation there You just take what you want with that, but uh, a spirit could never bleed. that's why it needed a body it needed Jesus to give us the authority to wash us from our sins and to cleanse us. It's no different when you read in Acts chapter 12 with the Israelites leaving Egypt. They had 10 plagues, right? We, most of us know that story. Nine out of those 10 plagues were to protect them. Locusts, frogs, It hit all of Egypt, but to protect them, all they had to do was just obey, sit tight, just whatever their instruction was, they were to obey that. But notice when it came time, When God said, listen, I will take, remember it's mine, every first, every firstborn, I will take with me. And what did Israel do? The way of escape was by putting blood on the doorposts, on each side and above them. And when the angel of death came by, if it seen the blood at the door, it would spare. That's a picture of Jesus once again telling us, listen... When I see the blood applied in your life, when death comes to your door, you will be released from that. You will live for eternity. And I don't think it's an accident when you see blood splash here and here and at the head of Jesus when he painted that picture. Everything is intentional on Scripture when you're looking at what the principle of the firsts are. So, how do you look at the first fruits and tithing and how they tie into the... the principle of firsts with Jesus and the cross. It's easy. When you look at the opening scriptures we read, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, the first fruits of thine increase. So you honor him with the first of your increase, whatever that is. He doesn't even ask you what your increase needs to be. Whatever that is, if it's agriculture, if you're a farmer, it doesn't matter. Whatever is your increase. So I know when I get paid, this is what I make. My increase is the profit of what I am making. And when you go to Malachi 3 and 9 and he talks about how do you rob me? It's robbing me in tithes and offerings. Then how does that come together? And and how does that flow with being the first fruit and tithing? Marrying those together. Remember, God just wants to be first in your life. If he can be first, he can control everything else. Because now, every decision you're making is based off a relationship you have with him. And so, the biggest thing that we hear, well, tithing is in the Old Testament. Tithing is Old Testament. So, okay, let's go to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, was, uh, was, was murdering somebody wrong? Yeah. Thank you. All right, we got a few people. Okay, was adultery wrong? Yeah. Yay! Okay, so let me ask you, let me, let's do this. Mm, we'll come over here. Can I get your wallet? <laughs> this is the thinnest wallet <laughs> I have ever seen. But it's got a deer. So I kind of like it. So if I was to walk away with this, I, think a lot. I just took it. Is that stealing? It is. So why is it okay for us to be able to say, in the, for us to say, well, you know what? If adultery is wrong, stealing is wrong, all that stuff's okay. But yet, when it comes to a principle in the law in the Old Testament that's carried over to the New Testament, now we're picking and choosing what we'll follow and what we won't follow. Why is it that we can differentiate, right? We'll talk blessing. We'll talk about all these incredible things. But the minute it affects your pocketbook, we change our minds. We're like, ah, you know what? Maybe I could just steal from Gabby later because really, is it really sin? I'm not killing her. I'm 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 just stealing. I'm just taking it, right? But yet in our mind, we think it's okay. But again, all scripture is profitable. It still is of value from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It still is valuable. But watch Genesis 4. Three through five. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain he had no respect. Why is that? Well, Abel brought the first, a firstling. Obviously, he was in, in ranching. He had livestock. So here he brought the first. But watch what Cain did. If, 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 I believe if Scripture would have said, at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of time, he brought in his first fruits, I think God would have respected his tithe. But because he says, in the process of time, what does that mean? It means it wasn't at the very beginning. It means somewhere in the process of the season, he was gathering, he was getting things together, moseyed on over, and then returned his tithe. Now, did he tithe? I believe he tithed. But was it first? It wasn't. It was in the process of time. And God didn't respect that. Did he receive it? He didn't respect that it was through the process of time. So it's very important. I need 10 volunteers. So we're going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. I need all 10 of you. Come on. Just line up right here. So now I need help. Who here has a college degree? I don't want to embarrass anybody. All right, Brother Redcap, you're gonna help me. We're gonna pay off that student, no, not. But you're gonna, you're gonna use your student loan real fast, okay? So this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna start down here. I'm gonna start here. Ooh, now listen, I live off a preacher's salary. I need every dollar back. You understand, <laughs> sister? <sighs> so everybody gets a dollar. I'm missing somebody. Who? I thought we had one more. Oh, I miscounted. All right, you know what, Annie's up. All- Annie, look at that, look at God. All right, with your education, I gave out 10 ones. What's 10%? It's one. One, one. That's great. Well, what's the tithe? One, one. One, one. But which one is it? The first one. Which one is that? Which one did you give it to first? I think you gave it to Ashley. Ashley is the tithe. Look at that. She is the tithe. So, what am I? Yeah, I'm going to need that back, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Listen, if I did this every service, I'd be broker than I am. Lord help. But listen to me. What is the tithe? It's the first one that you return. How often is it in this principle that when we're talking about tithes, that we start to you know, write out our bills for the week, and then, and, and then it just becomes one of, hey, I paid the water bill, I paid the mortgage, I did this, I got my tithes coming. Did you pay the tithe? Sure. But was it the first thing you did? once you figured out what 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 your profit was from, whether if you're a contractor or your salary, once you look at that, were you able to say, I paid the first thing was my tithe. I know Monday, I get paid every Monday morning. The first thing I do, I get online and I transfer my money to First Church account because I am tithing before I do anything else that day because that is my first fruit. That is the first fruit in my tithe. It's important. It matters when you tithe. Let's look at first Corinthians chapter 16 verses one and two. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given uh, order to the churches by Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week, let every one of them lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that he, uh, that there be no gatherings when I come. That's great. Let's go to the netto translation. Cause like, you know, I get the stained glass and cage. that's all great. But let's just break it down real quick. Is everybody okay with us? Just kind of, let's go a different route real fast. Let's read that again in the NLT. Now, regarding your question about money, being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave the churches in Galatia. One of, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Now, a few moments ago we returned our tithes and offerings. And if you notice one thing Pastor John said, in a few moments we're going to return our tithe and offering. Culturally at first church, you you do not hear we're taking our this will be a time where we take our tithes and offerings, where we're doing our tithes and offerings. It has always been we will return our tithe and offering. Why? Because it's not ours to give, it's his. Anyways, I'm returning what he's trusted me with, right? So now look at what happens with the model we have at First Church. We live modestly to give radically. Because every Sunday, we're doing... This is the first fruit of the week, is it not? It's Sunday, the beginning of the week. We're in church. We didn't pick it Monday night. We didn't pick it to be Saturday night. It's Sunday. So... Even if you didn't know and subconsciously you're just coming on Sundays and didn't see it You were giving him the first fruit of your week your time because it's sunday morning It's the first thing you're doing during the week is you're coming to the house of god to worship him So you're already you're already showing your first fruits in your time now watch this when you look at What paul is saying here think of this every sunday. We return our tithes and offerings now You don't see peanut brittle being sold out in the vestibule we're not doing a bunch of you know, spaghetti dinners and a bunch of other things trying to raise money. Every time somebody comes in through these doors that's a missionary, we're not asking you for more money. Matter of fact, there are so many missionaries that come through here. A lot of times First Church will pay that missionary because they're trying to raise money so they can be in their fields. And what we'll do is they're great people and God has blessed First Church. So instead of us just taking, listening, and giving them an offering, there are so many churches that can't afford to do this. So oftentimes, First Church will pay a missionary or a speaker and send them to a church that could never never pay somebody to help them, and they need that livelihood. So because of whether it's a local church plant, global things that we have done, we have literally had missionaries come in that you don't even know of, and we're sending them to other churches. Since November, First Church has been able to shell out, give out, nearly $25,000 to the work of God to the kingdom because we are bringing in our first fruit and we're tithing, and God has been blessing us. And so this helps us from being a local church to a global church because of a principle of first fruits and your tithing. But see, our, uh, if, if, let's go to Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20. Remember, this is a heart thing. We just walked through, like, listen, there's law, and then there's a heart issue, Right? And we've navigated through sometimes us challenging what law is and what we don't want to buy into because it affects us personally. But now watch Matthew. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them and, shall, and the same shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed, it exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they represent the law. They were all about the law, right? So we are to exceed the law. We on the same page? Okay. So the law tells us thou shalt not kill. What did Jesus say? Don't hate your brother. The law says that thou shalt not commit adultery. So what did Jesus say? Don't look at another woman in lust. So what do we do when we're talking about our tithes and offerings, the law? What do we do then? Well... Let me ask, I need somebody, I need $5, I need a $5 bill or a $10, who who can give me, listen, number one, let me ask you a quick question, who here knows me really well, or somewhat, good, I'll throw that in, because I don't want to exclude anybody, do you love me, you think I'm pretty cool, hey, this is like, I'm feeling real good right now, (laughs) okay, so based on your relationship with me, who in this house is willing to give me $5, look at this, well, bless God, just come on up. She gave me five, I got five. you know why? Because I think it's February 18th, there's a new pair of J's coming out. You know what's funny? Like, true story, I went over a couple of years ago and I was looking, we, I taught on, it wasn't lesson one, I forgot what lesson it was, but I was talking about the value, which you're gonna hear more. I can't wait till next week because there's some incredible stories Pastor John has for you. There's some miracles that just happened. And, and in doing so, I remember putting up a slide, I almost wore them, but I didn't want to kill anybody because I don't want to offend. But I remember, I um, remember, was it two years ago I did this? There were a pair of I think it was the nines. Was it the the nines or the sixes? I can't remember. One of the Jordans. I really wanted them, but it was like it was quite a bit of money. I said, "Well, I'm not going to take that away from the church in tithing and offering." So if I can afford it, great. If not, I was teaching the value of like prioritizing your finances. Well, I bought them, and I still paid my tithes. So I was almost going to wear them because I thought it was pretty cool that I was talking about that, and I actually bought them. But anyways, so anyways, here I have five dollars. Be- Oh, 10. Oh, glory. mean so Oh, man, I should have said 20. I should have said 100. Oh, I see my faith was too low, folks. We got to shoot. For, no, I'm just playing. So I got $10, and that's just going to help me buy my jays. But because she loves me and we have a relationship, she said $10. And I didn't, listen, I was asking for whoever. I didn't just say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to give, you know, whatever. No, she gave me the $10 because of our relationship, who I am. But look at what God will do. And instead, I say thank you. Now, mind you, she didn't know this, but this is what what I say is thank you for the 10. How about I give you 50? Yes. Isn't that what the Lord will do? When we give out of the abundance of our heart, God is saying, I'm going to give you an increase and then God will give you something you never prepared for it because you were willing to go above and beyond and do something out of love and not out of duty. But all too often, we start doing things out of duty. Tithing becomes a duty. But when it becomes part of your relationship with God, and you begin to not just tithe, but now you begin to give of your increase, now your offerings start to go up. God is saying, you know what? Not only am I going to redeem what you have given me, I'm going to bless everything else after that. So that's why it's so important for us to understand the value of first fruits, tithes, and offerings. Because it's at that point that he can begin to bless you financially above and beyond what you have ever seen. It comes down to that principle. I'll tell you a story about a man, Abraham and Melchizedek. 430 years before there was ever a law to tithe. This takes place. Genesis fourteen eighteen through 20. And Melchizedek, king of Salem... Brought forth bread and wine, and he was in the he was he was the priest of the most high God, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, Abraham, gave him Melchizedek tithes of all. No law. He tithed on what he what he had seen in victory. I'll give you the backdrop. There are four kings. They get together, they go to Palestine. And there are several cities there. Those four kings take those cities and conquer them. They make those cities start paying taxes to them. Twelve years later, those guys are sick of paying taxes. Now, I'm not telling you, don't go pay your taxes. You got to be careful. I'm saying is, those people said, we're done paying taxes. So what did they do? They then said, we're going to go after those kings and those people, and we're going to be free from them. In the process... Abraham's nephew Lot is taken captive. Abraham hears about it. Abraham pursues Lot, well, pursues his captors and takes Lot back. On his way back, he finds Melchizedek. And he tells Melchizedek, he said, man, God has been so good to me. He restored my nephew. He's excited. So he pays tithes of everything. Not only did he get Lot, but he has the increase. And he gives it back in tithe. Now watch this in Hebrews chapter seven, nine and 10. And as I may say, so Levi also who receiveth tithes, pay tithes in Abraham for he was yet in the loins of his father. When Melchizedek met him, Levi is Abraham's great grandson. Okay. Scripture saying he paid tithes while he was in, in Abraham before he was even fathered. So what does that mean? Well, That tells me in in Joshua 13, it talks about when Israel finally entered into Canaan and they had the 12 tribes. They split up everything, okay? So they split everything up to 11 of the 12 tribes. The only tribe that didn't receive any houses or land are the Levites, which if you know the Levites, they were the ones that were instrumental in getting the the tabernacle through the wilderness into Canaan. They they were the minister. They, They were the worship team. They were very involved in the tabernacle. So now you have Abraham who paid tithes into Melchizedek because of getting lot back and everything. And then all of a sudden now you're you're hearing about Levi who received a blessing because he had paid tithes to his grandfather. In other words, Abraham set some things in motion in his family, okay? And here is the the mind-blowing part for me in Joshua 13, 33. But unto the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not any inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance. So nothing. Now you go to Numbers 35, 6, and 7. And among the cities which you will give unto the Levites, there shall be six cities for refuge, which you shall appoint for the manslayer, and for them to flee thither. And to them ye shall add forty and two cities, so the cities which you have given to the Levites shall be forty and eight cities. While the 11 other tribes were getting houses and cars and furniture, the Levites had cities. That tells me a generational blessing happened when Abraham began to tie to Melchizedek. It was three generations later that now Levi is he's over cities. We're so busy chasing the mighty dollar and trying to get this bill paid and a 50 cent raise and a dollar raise. When God is saying, if you'll just trust me with it from the beginning, I won't give you a house and maybe some furniture. I'm willing to give you cities. I'm willing to give above and beyond what you could ever imagine. If you would just follow the principle of firsts. Are we giving from the very beginning, not just the tithe, but is it the first thing that we're doing? Are we committed or do we just contribute? Like, have we bought into the vision of the kingdom, or is this just something we check the box off and tithe when we can, maybe we can't, and we just let it fall as it is. I, I was in a meeting with someone talking about just money, trying to just, just cultivate and, and, and stay somewhere, and, and, and the issue we have, a lot of people are always chasing a 50 cent or a dollar raise, right? I know people that have worked for 10 companies in two years, and it's always a restart, Instead of where you are, apply yourself, dig in, and let God promote you. Let God open those doors. And as Christians, we have that siege mentality half the time when we're like, man, I just paid the mortgage. I just paid the light bill. I got the car. I got all these things I got to do. And at the very end, it's like, man, all right, I'll pay tithe and we're going to live slim. Well, maybe God, he'll accept that offering, but what if we paid it from the very beginning and we said, hey, I'm going to pay my tithe from the, first, from the first moment it hits my account because I believe God's going to bless it down the line, and now you've said something in motion. Listen, my daddy was a tithe-paying man at a very young age, and we didn't have a lot. My dad worked two to three jobs, but I remember there were a lot of things we couldn't do because You know, he paid tithes. He made sure the bills were always paid. He made sure food was on the table. Any extras any vacation or sports any of that stuff was last resort. It always started with tithe and my dad set something in motion in our family. So now I can look at me and my brother and God has blessed us and where we are now almost worlds apart from where my daddy was. But my daddy set something in motion. And now I look at I was just at my brother's house the other day. I was in Malena's room and I'm like this is like sweeter than the whole me and my brother shared a room first off. We got two grown dudes in a room. Bunk beds. Teenagers. Yeah, it was rough. So here we are sharing a room. I walk into Malena's room and it was bigger than our bedroom. The furniture was nicer, the TV was bigger than my wall. I'm like, what? Is, she's living the high life. Well, you know why? Because it was a granddaddy that paid tithes, a daddy that pays tithes, Melena's now paying tithes. Guess what's going to happen to Melena's babies when she has babies? There is a generational blessing that happens when we begin to put him first in everything we do, and it ends up popping up years later because we bought into the principle of first that you find out in scripture. So I want us to stand this morning as I'm coming to a close, and I want you to know we're talking about finances, but the principle is greater than finances. It's it's is God first in your life because when he becomes first in your life Then first fruits when it comes to your increase your tithe Now you begin to see the discipline there And then also you get to see with first are you fir- is he first in your life with relationships When we begin to really pray God is this the person i'm supposed to be with and you're including me in your decisions Then your relationship can be blessed But when we operate out of what we want to do and then we bring the mess to him like lord I can't make rent this week. I can't make the well You didn't put me first you never put me first how do you how do you not honor what I've given you I've given you a principle right. I'll go back to what we read in the New Testament there was no ROI on you when he when you're looking at the cross Jesus said right but for the joy that was set before you before him he endured the cross he never seen what you would amount to but yet he was willing to die on the cross in hopes you would love him back right. when you take that principle to your finances, now at the very beginning, you don't know what the whole month looks like. I can't guarantee you that it's gonna be easy. But I can say this when you begin out of faith, giving of your tithe, not knowing what the rest of the month looks like, it's the same concept he took out on you. He could have said, you know what? I don't know if Pastor Kento's gonna be any good. Ah, is dying on the cross worth it for him? I don't know. Maybe not, maybe it is. I can't tell. But instead, he believed in us enough to give up as the firstborn among his brethren, being clean for the unclean, redeeming us. How could we not take the same approach with our finances and say, God, I believe in you enough? that I'm going to return what's yours and give of my increase because I believe that you're gonna show up somewhere down the road, even if it's tough right now, even if, if, if I can't make all my bills. Listen, I've said this story and, and I think I'll, I'll talk a little bit more in depth in, on week three of this, but I remember me and my wife like literally eating cereal for a couple of weeks because we couldn't afford anything but we paid tithes. But if you would have showed me then, 15 years ago, if you would have told me then hey, just pay your tithes, eat cereal, I'm gonna bless you when, you're, when you turn 40. The things that God has brought me through and done for my family, incredible. They're miracles, nothing I could have done on my own. But if you would have told me then to pay my tithes and my offerings and eat cereal, I would have gladly done it because I'd know it's coming, right? I had no promise of being in Michigan. I lived on the West Coast at that time. I had no promise of being in Michigan. I had no promise of being in First Church, I had no idea. But while I was eating my cereal, and paying my tithes, being broke, not broke, 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 like really broke. I did it out of love, and God rewarded me later. But it's because it, I did it in faith and obedience to the word of God. And I want us to gather around the front here. And so a couple of weeks ago, the pastoral team, we, went, we were out of town and just spent some time together. And, and Pastor had talked about Uh, just where the prayer meetings have been going you know if you go back a year year and a half ago we were averaging we have 60 70 80 90 people were kind of hitting around there and then we decided we're just going to push and we wanted the culture of first church to be one of prayer And so we begin to really spend time in praying and being intentional on praying and and just getting that in front of everybody. And then all of a sudden, you know, we hit 100. I think just a few weeks ago, we had 170 in prayer. We've had more in prayer than at the 9.15 and sometimes 11.30 service. That's the culture that this church is talking We're a praying church. We want to talk. Everything we're doing is through the lens of what Christ wants, not what we want. We're praying. And then pastor made a quick comment that we'll capitalize on because it was the heartbeat of pastor. He said um, we're never going back. We're never going back. So as a team we started talking about never going back. What does that look like? How can we? What can we put in place to never go back? And we started looking at this series, The Blessed Life. And it's called The Blessed Life, not The Blessed Money because if you, if you understand first fruits and, and putting him first, then your money, your relationships, your lifestyle, everything is submitted under him and it will all align the way it's supposed to if we put him first. And so we began to talk about that, and then that's when we came up with the first three. The first three, if you look at it, we're gonna talk about on Sunday, it's the beginning of the week, and that is when we are tithing, we're all here. But we started looking a little deeper and we said, hey, every month, how many days are in a month? Average of 30, what's a tithe of that? That's three days. So going forward, as part of the culture of our church, we'll call it First Three, and this is part of our culture. We're going to start fasting every single month, the first three days of the month, as a church body. We'll be intentional, we'll get that out in front of you, but as a church, we are putting him first at the beginning of the month, not just weekly now. At the beginning of the year, we do our fast, but every month, we're going to be intentional, and we're putting him first, and the first three will be the first three days of every month, we're going to fast and pray because I believe in the principle of first fruits first fruits the first man and so when you look at this then you have to say okay is there somewhere in my life that I'm not first in with him and again I've initiated the challenge if you want to be baptized and you understand scripturally so in order to follow again it's easy for me to talk about this to a degree because these aren't my words this is what scripture this is from him not me And so when we go through scripture and if you've committed on that text or you're thinking about, man, should I be baptized? I'm asking you, if you follow what scripture says first, forget everything you've been taught. What does the word of God say? Does it line up with what scripture says? If you're in this room and you want to take a step and be baptized in the name of Jesus, like the Bible tells us to do that, we can do that right now. And Pastor John can line you up and we'll get that taken care of today because I believe we have to have him first in every area of our life. And if there's somewhere in your life that maybe you haven't put him first Maybe it's in your relationship with your husband and your wife or the person you're dating. Maybe it is financially Maybe it is with your with anger with different emotional needs that you have and he's not first Because you're 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 lashing out and, and then we're coming to him after like are we really praying? Are we really fasting? Are we really it's not good enough to just tithe? It needs to be the first thing we do. It's not good enough that we just come once a week to prayer on Monday. Are we praying? The very first thing you do in the morning is you say a prayer. You start the day with your tithe, with him being first in your day. It's a principle that he He started way back in the Old Testament, showing us the breakdown of a clean and unclean animal. And then he brought us to a clean and an unclean man. I'm an unclean man. He was clean. He died on the cross and forgave us. So now that we can apply this principle of first through the rest of of every area of our life and so what I want us to do this morning is I want to pray a prayer of repentance and I want us to be able to be clean and if there's something outside of that whether it's to be baptized or there's an area in your life that you have not taken you have not put Him first then I want you to take this time as they begin to sing to consecrate yourself and say God I am going to put you first I want you to be the first fruits of everything that I do because I know while I might not understand it all I know is It might be 10 years from now. It might be 20 years from now. It was a long journey for me, but I would never trade eating that cereal and making my payments and doing all, I would never trade any of that. Even the mortgage payments I missed because I believed in first fruits and tithes. I would not trade any of that horrific part of my life that I had to endure because of where I am today. Because if I would have done it out of obedience and and just out of duty, then he wouldn't have offered where I am because it wasn't out of faith and love. Just like I just traded off and I went from 50 to 10, but you know what, because she was faithful and she said, hey, you know what, I'm just gonna do it. She didn't know that. To 915, they had no idea that was gonna happen. But look at what God will do when you do it out of love, when you put him first. Lord, I am so thankful to be in a room with these incredible people and to walk through scripture and to know that God, there is something to pay in my tithes. Sure, there's even something to coming into your house and talking to you and listening from you. But there's something a little special, God, when I put you first at the beginning of the week when we come together, when I put you first in my finances and I, I pay you before I pay any other bill when I get paid. And God, when I put you first in my marriage before my needs and my wife's needs and my boy's needs, but I put what you want out of me before my own family and then to see which you have done through my voice and in my wife and in my life, God, because of a principle that you taught me starting in the Old Testament of firsts. And it resonates all the way through Scripture, and it affects us right now, God. So, Lord, if, there, if there's anything in this room, God, things we have said, things we have looked at, thoughts we have had, God, Lord, I'm asking that you would forgive that. You knew, God, you knew from the beginning of time that I, was, I, was, I had a sin nature from, from the fallen Adam, that but yet God you still counted it joy to die on that cross for me and to provide me the opportunity of keeping you first in my life and so God all across this room I want to ask you to forgive us Lord that there would be not one sin in this house that would clean before you and so God you know exactly where we are and what we need and so God for the next few minutes I'm going to thank you and then I'm going to ask you God to reveal to me what it is that I have to turn over back to you for you to be first in my life in every area it's not good enough to be at 50% or 75 I want every area of my life God to have you first in it because there's no telling what you'll do five years down the road ten years what you'll turn around now for us. And so Lord, we believe that God and right now we're claiming and we're thanking you for forgiving us of our sins right now. And we worship you God because you are forgiving us. You have blessed us and walked us God. And so let's pray over the next few minutes that God